Hello everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Haunting Hour Podcast. I will be your weaver of tales and dark story mistress, Grey. This week's episode is an audio story. If you're not familiar with my channel, first and foremost, welcome to the show. My channel is all about the unexplained, the spooky, the creepy, and all around heebie-jeebies. It is a blend of true life horrors, unsettling urban legends, and mythologies, creepypastas, and of course, our audio horror stories. And now, my fellow horror aficionados, it's time for our tale this week. What could be better than starting your life over? You've got your dream job. As far as you can tell, Everything is looking up. Or is it? (laughs) Sometimes moving to a new place that you don't know anything about or the history can take you down the road to madness. So put the pedal to the metal. Don't look behind you and try to find your way back to Highway 134. It all started this morning, on what should have been the beginning of a new career, and more importantly, a new life. I woke up, got ready, and slid into the driver's side of my car, coffee in hand. I have my first team meeting today, so I'm leaving earlier than usual. It's so early, in fact, that it's still quite dark outside. I'm so ready for all of this. A new town with a new job for far less hours. If that wasn't already incentive enough, with that came much better pay. I even got a good deal on this place, and it's less than 15 minutes outside of the city. I wouldn't have believed any of this would have happened to me just last year. And on that note, I pull out of my driveway, spirits high with the possibilities. It is quiet out where I live, but the neighbors are only a few minutes apart, so it's not as if I feel completely alienated from the world. (laughs) I laugh at how boring I've become over the years. I'd even taken time over the weekend to get to know the city. So, it is with confidence that I make a left turn onto the main road. I even find myself humming along to the music. I'm aware that I have to drive for several minutes before I hit the main highway, but after about 15 minutes, I begin to second-guess my turn. The trees haven't grown any less sparse. In fact, they look incredibly dense. I deliberate for a bit, but decide to go ahead and stay the course. Maybe it just seemed to take longer than I remember. 
I shrug it off and crank the music up. There's still plenty of time left. The road twists and bends. I don't remember any of this, nor do I remember it being hilly either. It's become narrow, and to my surprise, the trees have cleared to reveal that I'm on top of a steep hill. I need to turn back, but there doesn't seem to be any room to do so. I put my car in reverse and slowly back down the hill. The road swells a tiny bit and I'm finally able to turn around. But all too soon, I find myself at the end of the road. It's a T intersection with only left and right. I frown confused at my predicament. I hadn't turned at all earlier. I had been driving straight the entire time. I glance down, though, and notice upon closer inspection that the pavement has turned to dirt. Completely flustered at this point, I pull out my phone. There's barely a bar on my connection and it keeps changing between the edge network and one bar. Perfect. I call out to my phone assistant to open maps, but the only thing that pops up on my screen is lost connection. I inch forward onto a patch of grass to get out of the way. I then cut my engine and step outside. Maybe I'll get a better connection if... I wander around. A wall of freezing winds beat against my face and skin. My teeth chatter as I glance at my phone. The second bar finally pops up, and I hastily dial my work number to let them know I will be running late. After a few rings, I get a hold of an admin at the front desk, and then I'm transferred over. After what feels like an eternity. The line clicks and my manager picks up. He sounds confused, so I quickly explain what's going on and that I'm running behind. There's a long pause on the other end, and then finally he asks, Who is this? My face grows warm as I realize they probably haven't memorized my name. I explained that I just started and wanted to let someone know that I'm coming in, but got a little lost on the drive up there. Again, there's another long pause, and then... I think you have the wrong number. I frown and repeat the phone number back to him, and then give them the name of the company. That's correct. You have the right office, but no one here works by that name. I offer that maybe my paperwork was shifted around. I said to them that we were supposed to be having a meeting this morning and to go over our progress on our projects. This time, he sounds irritated. 
look, I don't know who this is, but we don't have a new employee. If you actually worked here, you would know that. The meeting was rescheduled for next week. I'm completely taken back. No one told me, I responded, starting to get a little miffed myself. I told them to ask Ben, and that there was probably a little mix-up. In any case, I will be up there as soon as I can. He says nothing, and then hangs up the phone. I stare at my phone now, more confused than ever. What the hell is going on? Well, at least I can get a signal, but I still can't open my maps. The worst of it is, I can't see a road name to even call and ask someone how to get back. The road has become so bad that I worry I might blow out a tire. But I've managed to finally come to a part of it that's smoothed out. I continue driving down the path until it finally gives way to pavement, and then ends at a main road. Again, I come to a split in the road. My head turns back and forth as I sit at the stop sign. I purse my lips and look in both directions, tapping my fingers on the steering wheel. If I don't remember, how in the hell would I know which way to turn? I glance out across the field to get some sort of idea of where I am. But all I can see is slow, creeping fog. Suddenly, my attention is drawn to the left as I spot yellow flashing lights. It could be worth driving toward the light, I reason. Maybe there are construction workers that could help. On the other hand, it could just be caution lights on the road warning people about construction. In any case, it had to be better than nothing, so I make the choice to turn left toward the lights. It is several moments before I finally locate the source. A construction vehicle sits on the side of the road, and there are several construction cones and lighted traffic drums spaced evenly along the road. I'm sitting just outside the entrance of a long, dimly lit tunnel. My brakes squeal softly as I come to a complete stop, unsure of my next move. The end of the tunnel isn't in sight but it does look vaguely familiar. I might have driven past it when I turned onto the street to my new place. The owner of the truck is nowhere in sight, but the lights are on, which means they can't be too far away. Maybe they could even be inside the tunnel or checking on the traffic barriers. In any case, this is looking like my best option. I press my foot down on the gas pedal 
and then I slip into the cool, dark tunnel. I drive down what feels like the longest tunnel in history, but still can't see the end. I've given up finding the worker in the construction vehicle. If they were actually inside the tunnel, I would have spotted them by now. Whoever it was must have gotten into a co-worker's truck and then went to a different location. Just my luck. This town is small, but it's beginning to dawn on me that I haven't seen a single car on this road. And not only the cars, but people. I have not seen a single person or car this entire time I've been on the road. I glance at the time and frown. It's 8 a.m. People should definitely be out on the roads by now. The sickly yellow lights flicker on the wall every hundred feet or so, casting an eerie twilight. The abysmal amount of light they put off couldn't light a house, let alone a tunnel. Even in some of the darker tunnels on the roads from my old place, I was able to see some sort of light. Something isn't sitting right with me. I become more and more apprehensive the further I go. My eyes are struggling to adjust. Am I being paranoid? Or is it getting darker? The lights have taken on a faint green hue. My foot eases up on the gas pedal and I slow to a crawl. The green lit area continues for quite a way down. I'm in a straightaway. No more bends. And an end still isn't in sight. I feel my panic mount as I turn my car back toward where I came. The road is nearly pitch black. I need to think. There is nothing here except what appears to be miles and miles of tunnel. I can't be going in the right direction. There's no way. I've passed the main road and probably the entire city by now. To top it off, there still hasn't been anyone driving through here. Maybe it's completely blocked on the other side, and I won't be able to get out anyway. It's just my mind playing tricks on me. All the rationalizing in the world, however, can't make me shake the feeling that I need to get out of here as soon as possible. The air is stagnant, with a distinct musty odor, and I can't put my finger on it. But the primal part of my brain is in full 
force, screaming to run away. I accelerate a little more when I finally see the beginning of the yellow lights. I sigh and relax my shoulders a degree. Thank God. I can go back into the daylight and try to get my bearings again. Hopefully the fog is lifted by now. I barely make it out of the green lighted space when my car begins to sputter and then dies. Worried that I hadn't been paying attention, I look down at my gas tank meter and see that I still have plenty of gas. Maybe it's the pressure down here, or the air that's causing issues? Even I know that's total BS. But at this point, it has to be something non-gas related. And I don't even want to think about the possibility of being stranded here. I try starting it up again, but nothing happens. My heart races as it fails to start. Again. And again. I glance around nervously to see if anyone is here. But only the ghoulish green glow and silence greet me. Taking a deep breath, I grab the door handle and push. I wince at the noise echoing down the tunnel, sure that at any moment something horrible would rush toward me from the shadows. The air feels heavy in my lungs. It actually feels damp with the scent of moldy old bread. I'm able to roll down my window, put the car in neutral, push the car back, and scream as the car instantly roars to life. I reach over, put it in park, and hop inside, eager to get back onto the road. I shift the car in to drive, and then push down the gas pedal. Just like before, as soon as the front end crosses the threshold, it dies. I'm shaking as I put it into neutral, get out of the car, and push it back toward the direction that I had been coming from. It again fires up. My chest tightens as I realize there is no going back the way I came. All I can do at this point is hope that if I continue down the road, I might find a way out. I turn to look at the invisible divide between the green and the yellow lights. Even if my car doesn't work, could I maybe walk back and get help? 
I take a few steps and then hesitate. I get closer to the spot, inspecting the space between them. There is a distortion, almost as if the light is bending inward toward me. My eyes widen as a small ripple moves from the top of the tunnel all the way to the ground. It is so small that I question my own eyes. Maybe I'm just tired and jittery, but then why can I not see anything on this side? Even the faint yellow lights on the other side of this strange barrier were visible less than a handful of moments ago. Then, something even more disturbing occurs to me. It wasn't just that the space on the other side was so dark you couldn't see into it. The gap between me and the other side had grown smaller, and I had not moved an inch since my last few steps, and even if I had, my car would have been further away from me. It is in the exact distance it was moments ago. A foul, horrible odor emanates from the inky blackness, now closing in at an alarming rate. It's as if it's taken notice of my presence. My breathing has become so labored that I feel if I don't get out of this vile air, I will suffocate. The tunnel tilts as I turn back to my car. I've been so stupid, opening myself up for whatever this is. Every single step is agony. My chest screams in pain as if I'm underwater, desperately clawing my way to the surface. My heart roars in my chest, frantically pumping blood throughout my body in an effort to keep me going. The room pulses from light to dark. Light to dark. Darker each time as I inch forward. At some point, I feel myself fall, and the ground connects painfully with my knees and hands. I know that if I don't get to the driver's side door very soon, I will succumb to its crushing weight until my lungs collapse. I can see the door. It's less than four feet away. I crawl on all fours, panting as my breaths become more and more shallow. Don't give up. Just two feet away. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't you dare fucking 
give up. I don't stop when I feel the fabric on my seat beneath my hands. I don't stop as I scream, pulling my body into the car, my legs paralyzed from the pain. I don't stop as I claw the door handle and pull it with all of my might until it finally pulls closed, securely in place. Then suddenly, all at once, my lungs fill with blessed, pure air. Several moments pass as I gulp lungful after lungful of air. When I'm finally able to move, I'm in a blind panic, sure that I will be stuck here forever. I nearly cry in relief, realizing that the wall hasn't gotten any closer to me. Not needing any more convincing, I start the car and slam down on the gas pedal, and I don't slow until I'm sure that I have put several miles between myself and the portal to hell. I travel several more miles in the milky green twilight when a blue light catches my attention on the left. I slow down and stare at the small building in disbelief. Not sure if my eyes are playing tricks on me. It's a gas station that's sitting in front of a well-lit convenience store. I sit on the main road for several moments, letting out a long sigh of relief once I realize that, yes, it is real. I slowly pull up next to the gas pump and cut the engine. As I reach for the car door, I pause scared to go back out into the tunnel. Ultimately, I decide to at least try. I need food. I'm probably low on gas. My hands wrap around the handle, and I push the door open. I'm pleasantly surprised to find that not only is the air breathable, but it smells quite nice. Like freshly made bread. My stomach reminds me that I haven't eaten in quite some time, and it isn't happy about it. The soft chime of the door sounds as I walk into the store. After scanning the aisles, I grab a few bags of candy, chips, beef jerky, a hot dog, and some Gatorade. Satisfied that I have enough to eat, I walk up to the counter and place all of the snacks on the countertop. I drum my fingers on the counter as I wait patiently for the cashier to come around. They could be in the restroom or possibly back in the walk-in cooler to restock the shelves in the refrigerator. Honestly, I'm surprised at how clean this store is. It's almost immaculate. And the more I look around, the more I find that not even a speck of dust can be found. I reach into my pocket, fish out my wallet, 
and turn back toward the register. I jump and gasp, nearly having a heart attack when suddenly someone has appeared behind the counter. A towering, thin man with platinum blonde hair wearing a red vest and black slacks now stands there, his back turned to me. He is quietly restocking the shelves with cigarettes, gum, and scratch-offs. His attire reminds me of something you would see at a fine dining restaurant. It seems really out of place in a convenience store of all places. I exhale, shaking my head. Hey, man, you scared the crap out of me. I didn't even hear you walk up. He bends down, grabs more boxes, and continues to replace all of the empty slots. It's almost as if he didn't hear me at all. I don't want to be rude, but I start wondering if maybe he hasn't taken notice of me. I softly clear my throat and call out to him a little louder, trying to make myself known. I'm torn between calling out louder or maybe just setting money on the counter. There's something unnerving about him. I can't even hear his clothes rustle as he bends down. And that's just it. As I get a better look at him, I realize he isn't bending right. Almost as if He's missing bones. Suddenly, I am very aware that it is just the two of us. I dig through my wallet and pull out a couple of twenties. I'm on the edge of bolting. But just in case I'm being paranoid, I don't want to steal from him. I quickly grab my items, lay the money on the counter, and then turn to leave. I'm halfway across the store when I freeze. In my haste to get out of here, I've forgotten that I need to get gas as well. I take a deep breath and turn back toward the counter because I have no idea what else to do. I try talking again. I'm sorry, to bother you again, but I also need gas. What would cover all of those? My eyes raise up, but I'm surprised to find that the attendant is gone. I spin around quickly, but there is nothing there either. I sigh in frustration and try to find any price stickers. When I don't find any, I peer out to the gas pumps. I can clearly see them, but there are no prices listed on their sign. What should I do? I need these things, but I can't even find what I need to pay for any of it. I tried to think back to the last time I bought gas and how much it cost per gallon. Worst case scenario, if it is $4 a gallon, 
I could safely place $80 on the counter. I'll just make sure to stop at 16 gallons. Thankfully, I had prepared for just this sort of situation and made sure to grab a few hundred dollars in cash. I spin back, expecting him to be behind me again, but the same empty counter with the twenties greet me. I rummage through my bag, locate the pocket with my spare cash, and place an additional $80 on the counter. Feeling confident that this should be enough, I walk back as fast as humanly possible to the doors. I reach for the handle and freeze. The breath sticks in my throat as I stare at the movement. Blood drains from my face, and I can't move. A sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach forms as I realize that there is definitely something very wrong with the store clerk. His reflection sits unnaturally tall. So tall, in fact that his head is a handful of inches from the ceiling. To my absolute horror, I see that his head is bent at a 90 degree angle. His face is distorted. I can't make it out, but my legs won't move. I'm stuck staring at the abomination. Insect-like noises fill the space like a loud brood of cicadas calling for their mates. But this is different. It's paired with a staticky type sound that vibrates my entire body. I stagger back, clutching at my head. This is it. The moment my body snaps into action. I shove the door and bolt outside to my car. The food spills everywhere as I shove the key into the ignition and lock the doors. My car roars to life and I slam it into drive, peeling out of the parking lot. I put enough distance between the gas station and the car that I can finally slow down and pull over. I let out a long, shaky breath my hands trembling as I grip the steering wheel. What the hell is going on? I take in a long, steady breath, trying to make sense of what had just happened. My heart beats so hard and fast, I can feel the blood rushing through my head and chest. In my haste to get away, I now realize that the tunnel has grown lighter. Instant relief washes over me, as I can see an end to the concrete prison not too far ahead. My shoulders sag and I hit the gas, screaming toward the end of this hell. I'm so terrified that this will be a trick, that maybe I won't be able to drive through it, and I actually will be trapped here forever. 
I can hardly believe it when the car does finally clear the exit, and I'm thrust into the beautiful night air beneath the blessed open skies and the stars. I pull onto the shoulder and rest my head on the steering wheel. Please, let this all be over. Tears spill down my cheeks as I take a moment to allow myself to process what had just happened. After a few moments, I wipe my face with my sleeve and look up to the night sky. It's calm and beautiful. I have been gone so long that an entire day has passed. I don't even care at this point. I just want to go home. I really hope that I still have a job tomorrow when I failed to show up today. When my eyes finally drop from the sky back down to the road, my heart drops into my stomach. No, it can't be. It's impossible. This can't be real. My lip quivers and more tears stream down my face. The entrance to another tunnel stares back at me. The small patch of land between the tunnel I exited and the tunnel in front of me is no more than 500 feet away. The stars twinkle above me, and the surrounding area is lush and green. If this were any other time in my life, I would have loved the view from this hill. I would have loved it in any other moment if it weren't for the fact that a tunnel waited for me at the end of this godforsaken road. I want more than anything for this day to end. It started out so wonderfully. A new job, a new life. I had even left early to make sure that I was on time. Not only had I been lost to the tune of 12 hours, but when I had managed to get a hold of someone at the office, I'd been told that my job didn't exist. That could all be chalked up to a clerical error. But this? Where in the hell am I? And for that matter, how the hell do I get out of here? Why is this happening to me? I can feel my chest tightening. I'm on the verge of a full-blown panic attack. Is there any end to this? I nearly jump out of my skin when my phone rings next to me. I snatch it up and look at the screen. The text display just says, Unknown. Probably spam, but hell, maybe there would be a salesman on the line. Someone that can help. I answer quickly and wait for a sound on the other end. I hold my breath nervous that it may just be a computer on the other end. Hello? Are you there? The man asks. Yes, please, help me. 
I'm lost and my phone is barely getting a signal. The caller pauses for a moment. I'm sorry, did you say that you're lost? My shoulders sag in relief. There is actually a real person on the line. Yes, I am. His voice is soothing like butter. Of course. What was your last known location? I pause, thinking about how many turns I had made. My voice shakes as I reply. I was on Highway 134 going toward I-35 when I somehow got turned around on a mountain trail. My chest relaxes a degree as I try to remember more. So I had to turn around. I somehow spilled out onto a T in the road, and then I turned around and made it back to what I think was Highway 134 again. Took a left at that T and went through the entrance of an extremely long tunnel. Mm-hmm. He said, sounding as if he were filing his nails on the other side already bored with our conversation. I'm angered by his shitty attitude, but keep it to myself knowing he is my only option to get out of here. I stutter but continue. I, I'm not sure where I am, but I know for a fact that I am now outside and there is another tunnel ahead of me. Please help me. The man on the line sighs. And have you tried driving through the other tunnel, ma'am? I'm sure someone can help you once you get closer to a city. My temper flares. I can't drive anymore. My car is probably close to being out of gas, and I don't want to risk it. Please, can you call emergency services? and give them the general area? I have a signal now, but I may not again, and I don't want to risk wasting battery to do that. These calls, they're recorded, right? He laughs. He actually laughs at me. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I can't believe how much of an asshole this guy is being. But I take a deep breath and try to let it go. You don't need to worry about either of those things where you are heading. Everything is fine. Go through the tunnel. His demeanor has changed. Almost threatening. Didn't you I'm almost out of- I won't repeat myself again. Go through the tunnel. My face grows hot as anger flashes throughout my body. Why are you being so awful to me? I'm lost. I may run out of gas or battery for my- I stop mid-sentence as I realize something I hadn't thought of before. I have not turned my phone on since earlier in the day when I searched for a signal. His voice rasps. You shouldn't have taken the 
What wasn't yours? My body goes ice cold, and my hands begin to shake uncontrollably. Please, who is this? He laughs on the line, his insect-like laughter grating on my ears. The line grows silent, and I stare at it for several moments. The phone falls from my hand as I stare at the tunnel entrance. I can't bring myself to go back into that tunnel. I just can't. There has to be a better way. I tap the screen on my phone in hopes that maybe the phone had just restarted and it was in fact on. But it's dark. It is not on. I hold in the button and try to turn on the phone. It turns on, but my battery is dangerously low. I'm kicking myself for not remembering the portable charger. I stare outside at the woods and open road. Even if something else happens, it has to be better than driving through the tunnel of terror. At least I would be outside where I could breathe. I can definitely use the fresh air. Maybe it will help clear my mind. I slide out of the car and then shut the door gently. Just in case there's another murderous entity nearby. The open air is magic against my skin. A warm breeze caresses me gently, and for a moment, I'm lost in the deliciousness of the fresh air. I take several deep breaths, and then walk further out onto the road to look around. I frown as I look both to the left and to the right of the main road. There doesn't appear to be any visible lights, which means... Either there are no houses, or I am up so high that I cannot see them. But if that were true, I'm in a more elevated area, so I would be able to see for miles. The most disturbing part is that from my vantage point, there are no signs of civilization. There is only me, nature, and a road of never-ending horrors. Either way I go, it looks the same. I mean almost exactly the same. Even the damn trees look as if they've been copy-pasted on top of one another. The only difference seems to be the number of hills I can see from here. My pulse quickens as I realize I will have to guess. And that guess could easily end my life. But would that be so bad now? Don't think that way, I say to myself. That is the old you talking. There's a small part of me that wants to believe I can make it out of this alive. But no matter how much I encourage myself, 
but part of me knows that I won't. My options are looking pretty grim, but ultimately, anything is better than driving into another tunnel. Before I make a decision, there is something bothering me about what the person on the phone said. I pull open the driver's side door and slide in. My hand connects with something crinkly, and I fish it out from under the seat. I flip the chip bag around and scan the entire package, but can't find anything out of place. Next, I find a candy bar, but it, too, just looks and feels like a normal one. I feel around on the floorboard and finally locate a drink. It's not very cold, but it's still covered in a dewy condensation. I hold the bottle up into the dim light, and my eyes grow wide. It drops from my hands and lands on the passenger seat. My lips tremble as I fight to keep it together. I want to scream my lungs out, but I know better. Something inside my head is warning me to stay quiet. I feel sick to my stomach as I look down at it again. But the contents have not changed. Inside the bottle, almost perfectly preserved, is a fetus. But then, I look again. No, it isn't preserved. It's moving. I retch uncontrollably, but only bile manages to come up. My mind is made up. There is absolutely no way I would drive through that tunnel again. I stand at the edge of the road. I decided that my best bet is to travel north and put some distance between me and the tunnel. It took some thinking, but I'd figured out which way north had been, and knew if I went that way, I should, somehow, be able to make it home. The problem with my less-than-perfect plan is that I'm going to have to travel into the woods alone. Why couldn't there have been a road? I sigh in frustration and look back longingly at my steel chariot. It's probably for the best anyway. It has to be sitting empty or at least close to it. I search through the car and grab a backpack and a jacket. Thank God for small miracles. I open the trunk and find a few bottles of water rolling around. Who knows how old it is, but it has to be better than fetus water. I shudder, even thinking about its blank, black eyes. After securing all of my belongings, I head into the woods, carefully making note of the stars just to be sure I'm heading north. My spirits begin to lift a bit as I travel further from the road. Even if it does take me further into the wild, maybe I can get a signal. My spirits, however, begin to dwindle as I gain ground. 
It feels like hours, and my body is on fire. I pause and take a small sip of water from my bag, glancing around to make sure that I am alone. Satisfied that I am, I rest on a nearby rock. I turn my phone on and wait for it to start up. After a while, my home screen lights up and my face is bathed in a blue glow. I still have no signal and it has to be close to morning, yet there is no light. It actually looks darker outside. I look up and stare in confusion. The sky is covered by a thick canopy of leaves. I could have sworn it was clear just a few moments ago. I stand and quickly start walking again, eager to keep moving. Loud, threatening groans fill the air. I rub my arms and shiver. It's getting cold. I've attempted to go the way I think is north, but ultimately, I'm not sure. I look up in desperation to see if some sort of opening has appeared, but again, only the darkness greets me. The landscape seems to be changing and the grass has grown taller by nearly two feet. It's becoming harder to breathe. The air is thinner and my lungs are struggling to keep up. My limbs feel like noodles. Despite the height, I can't see anything. No sign of life or of lights. The only sounds are me and the trees. Nothing else. A low drone fills the air as the wind dies down. I wince as I hear every crunch and crack of the leaves beneath my feet. Dry laughter fills the air. Familiar laughter. And it all hits me at once. The man, the guy on the phone was him. And he has found me. Tired of running and feeling cornered, I drop my bag to the ground and ready myself for a fight. I can see nothing, but feel him near. His presence feels agitating, like thousands of wriggling insects on my skin. The ground shifts beneath me, and I feel myself being pulled down into the dirt. Try as I might. I'm unable to pull myself away from its grasp. I sink helplessly all the way down to my shoulders and then stop. I pull hard to get up, but scream in frustration. There is nothing that can be done. His dry, cackling laughter sounds from behind me. And I squeeze my eyes shut, my lips trembling in fear. There are skittering footsteps and insect-like chittering. 
It's the only noise that can be heard. A raspy chuckle echoes throughout the woods. I won't open my eyes. I keep them sealed shut as tears run down my face. A freezing blast of air roars around me, then a long, spindly appendage curls around my shoulder. I breathe in shallow bursts, and my chest tightens. I can't move. I can't scream. I'm buried here at his mercy. He speaks again. My mind screams to keep my eyes closed. I know in some way. It's just a way to protect me from the horror that awaits. I don't need to have my eyes open to know that he is less than a handful of feet away. He makes no sound. There are no crunches of dirt or leaves beneath him. It's not just the missing sounds, but his existence that commands me and stirs the air. It's as if nature itself has defied the laws of physics and shaped itself to accommodate him. He is everywhere. I can feel his eagerness as he slinks to his prey. This is what I knew would happen all along. From the moment that I had left that store. I may have run, but there is no escape once I have seen him. Tears stream down my face. My body trembles. The clicking pop sounds again, but it's louder this time. It comes in waves across my skin, combined with a sickening, grating noise, like metal ripping against metal. He does this agonizingly slow, as if savoring every morsel of my disgust and fear. He says this not as a threat, but a fact that we both know is true. How long can I keep them pressed together? Surely hours, but days? Weeks? No. What is the point? It will be better to get it over with. And finally, end this suffering. The tears have dried. There's an eerie calm to it all. And the air is pregnant with silence. Even the gentle brushing of the leaves have gone. I feel myself sink further into the dirt my body letting go. One final draw of breath. 
and I release the pressure that is keeping my eyes closed. It takes a moment for my eyes to adjust to the twilight. I can only bring myself to look at his feet first. But there are no feet. Only swirling abyss. Only bending light that rims the blackness. I stare at it, captivated by the purity that separates him from me. It reminds me of images I've seen or artists' renderings of black holes. It doesn't coexist with our reality. No, it is devouring it. It's beautifully terrifying, magnificent in its horror. It undulates, warm and inviting, drawing me in. He exists between realities. He is. He was. And he will always be. My eyes finally raise to his face. And I begin screaming. Uncontrollably. Horrible. God, Jesus, his face. Blood spills from my eyes, bathing my vision in red. I sputter and choke as the blood flows from every opening in my body. My bones crunch and shatter. And then I feel a pop pressure releasing from my open skull. All this is happening, and yet the true terror is the face of the god that stands before me. There is smooth, fleshy meat. Only a maw, a gaping, black, non-existent devourer that coexists it cannot be put into human words. He is everywhere. He is madness. He is death. would have thought that on such a mundane morning, on the beginning of a new life, would quickly become our main character's undoing. As always, thank you for joining me, my fellow horror fans, on our journey into madness together. 
be prepared for our next scary urban legend tales on the Haunting Hour podcast. Take care, everyone. Be sure not to travel in the woods alone. And as always, pleasant dreams. <laughs>